0: Oh, HMS Sit down, motorsport. strap in, and granny, put your teeth in your pocket. Oh. Lead Lap Radio, powered by HMS Motorsport. <laughs> the leader in motorsport safety starts now.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lead Lap as we kick off another week of motorsports coverage. And we are normally broadcasting live from the WSIC studio In Statesville, North Carolina, but this evening we are actually on location at HMS Motorsport in Mooresville, North Carolina. My name is Tom Baker. I'm joined by Jacob Seelman from SpeedSport and and SprintCarMidget.com. Thank you for that second mention, by the way. I'm trying to get Considering our guest. Yes, and uh, that's why I did it. And we've also got uh, World of Outlaw uh, Sprint Car Series points leader, Brad Sweet with us here at HMS as well. And we're going to be spending about 30 minutes or so with Brad talking, uh, about his career and, uh, what's going on with his season, which I guess we can start right away and just, um, and start with the idea that, man, you are really firing on all cylinders this year. Good to see you having such a good year on top of the points by 32 right now over, over Shotzi.
2: <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me on, uh, yeah, it's been a good season so far. Um, but you know, obviously we, we have unfinished business and, uh, you know, four more races to go. So we just need to finish as uh, strong as we can. So I'm I'm not going to start with the obvious, but
3: I, I am curious just from a driver's perspective, what has this year been like for you guys compared to previous years? I mean, d- does it feel different from a standpoint of, of, being on top of the points and knowing that, you know, Hey, we're in it, we're in it, we're, we're still in it with four races to go. Or have you guys really tried to treat this, you know, the same as you have in previous years from a mindset standpoint?
2: Yeah. I mean, we obviously wanted to always be on top of the sport. I mean, it's what we do. It's what we work, you know, night and day and and the crew guys work. Casey gives us great race cars and, you know, Napa is a great sponsor. We have everything in place and and we want to be on that top step of the podium. Uh, you know, come the year's end, we want to win the most races. We want to be the guy to beat. Uh, that's what Donnie shots has has been. So, uh, we've worked really hard to get to this point. and, And uh, you know, winning the Knoxville Nationals last year I think boosted our confidence and and gave us a little mo- momentum coming into this season. And uh, this year we've been able to you know uh, be on a roll. Uh, you know, stay confident as a team. And I just feel like we're just getting better and better. Um, you know, I'm getting better as a driver. It's a it's a very much experienced type of sport. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it other than, you know, just driving the race car. So uh, we're doing a great job, and and uh, I'm really happy with with our performance. Obviously, I still feel like you know there's room for improvement, and uh, we're gonna keep working to get even better.
1: You say that. Um last year's win at Knoxville probably boosted your confidence, and I'm sure that's true, but it seems like this year has just been a whole other level. Do you think that's sort of the byproduct of that, or have there been some other things maybe that you guys have changed in terms of the setups or whatever that have made the difference for you?
2: Yeah, I think just obviously winning the Knoxville Nationals is a a race that we always wanted to win. Uh, It does give you that uh, confidence that you can do it. Um, You don't know until you can, uh, until you actually do it, I mean. And, uh, you know, we beat Donnie straight up there. Uh, I sure think that did. was a, a big boost for, you know, our whole company. Uh, and, and myself, you know, I think, uh, I've been chasing him for, you know, five years, just night in and night out and, and, and everybody to, else <laughs> Yeah, trying to beat him. So, um, you know, it makes you, it, you know, he's so good. It makes you work, you know, harder and harder and harder. So, uh, we're in the position that we want to be in now. And, uh, you know, I think it's just it's years of experience now uh, putting all the pieces to the puzzle together, um, you know, and, and being mentally strong through all this. Uh, these seasons are long with the world of outlaws. So you got to uh, put everything together. Uh, you got to have the right people, the right crew, the right engine builder, the right chassis manufacturer. Um, and the driver's got to go out and do his job. So uh, we've done everything right to right now, uh, but it doesn't really matter um, You know, unless we finish uh, finish the job. So you talked about the fact
3: that you've been chasing Donnie the last five years. How much has that 15 team and what they've done over that time span, how much has that pushed you guys and really the rest of the outlaw field to elevate your
2: game, to get to that level and now to be at that level? Yeah, I think the first couple of years, it just seems so, you know, unattainable, um, you know, from my standpoint. Um, but as, as I went on and, and got closer and closer just with getting better as a driver, um, you know, did, getting more experience on the Ala tour. Um, you know, I think there was a time it finally clicked a few years ago where, you know, I realized that, you know, we, we can do it, you know, we can beat the 15 team. We can be, we can be the guy, uh, to beat if we just really buckle down, stay focused. If I work really hard, uh, get the right people in place and, and really focus on all the little things to add up, uh, you know, to get the car right. And it's, uh, you, you know, in racing, uh, it's motorsport. So there's a lot more to it than just driving a race car. And uh, I think at Casey Kane Racing, we've done a great job the last few years to, to really figure all that out, put the pieces of the puzzle together, uh, give me the, the opportunity to go out and shine. And then obviously, uh, I feel like I've worked really hard to to elevate my game too. So let's backpedal for a couple minutes here. Right? When you were
3: a kid back in California running, you know, outlaw carts, was being in the position that you are now, you know, the top of the outlaws, having a shot to win championships, was that always the goal, or was that a goal that came later?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you dream about it. You know, it's not something that is realistic when you're a little kid, but you kind of think. You know, when the outlaws come to town, like, it's so cool. You'd watch them at the Gold Cup, and I'd see Sammy Swindell and Steve Kinzer and, and all the outlaws come, come through town. I just thought they were, you know, it was the most amazing thing that i have ever seen. And uh, I've been addicted to racing, and it's been my whole life, basically, since, you know, from five years old, as long as I can remember. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to be one of those guys, it probably really doesn't even, you know, feel, like, realistic to me until, you know, maybe the time's pass and I'll be able to look back on on my career and, and see my name amongst those type of guys um you know obviously that's why it's you know so big to win these these championships and big races you only get so many opportunities to to uh you know capitalize on those those type of moments so um you know obviously to to do it would be uh, spectacular and and it's it's definitely been a dream of mine to be a a, a champion in any type of form of racing uh, let alone to be a world of outlaw champion
1: can you just really kind of take us on a 50,000 foot overview of what it's like to actually run an entire world of outlaws season in terms of the number of races? Because I know most of our audience probably watches divisions that run, you know, 15, 20, maybe 30 races, you know, in NASCAR, obviously 36 or so for cup or whatever, but you guys run 90 races. What is it like? And and then, as a part two of that question, does that make it easier if you have a bad night to make it up later, or in theory, does it make it harder because obviously there are more chances for the other guy to score wins too?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the Outlaw Tour is uh, it's a it's a long roller coaster ride. Uh, there's going to be ups and downs. There's just no doubt about it. It's the guy that can you know, overcome the downs, uh, and, and just keep, you know, over overcome a bad night as quick as possible. Forget when something went wrong and try to do better the next night. It's getting the best finish when your car is not right. It's, it's literally, you know, just, you gotta be so mentally strong to, to endure what we endure, you know, the travel, uh, the racing, you know, 80 different nights at, you know, 30, 40 different racetracks, seeing different competition, you know, basically we were in Kansas city this last weekend and now we're going to be in Pennsylvania, totally different deal. Yeah. Uh, we're going to come down to Charlotte for the finish. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it definitely takes a few years to, to really be able to figure out how to overcome the ups and downs. Uh, you know, understand that there's going to be some bad nights along the way. Uh, but just be the guy that can, can do it the best. You know, uh, whoever has that best average finish wins the championship.
3: You've mentioned already a couple times in this segment being mentally strong. Um, I've heard it two or three times. Has that been a focus of yours particularly over the last couple of years as you've started to try and get that last little bit to go toe-to-toe with Donnie to really elevate your game yeah, as
2: much on the mental side as on the driving side? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think ment- mentally, being mentally strong is just a big part of the outlaw tour just because, like I mentioned before, just – There's so many ups and downs. It's very easy to get down and then you're not going to perform at the highest level that you can perform at. It's very easy for a guy to start just beating you to where you, you, where you just, you know, don't react the right way. Um, I think there's, you know, just things that are going to happen and you just can't let them, you know, drain you emotionally. You know, it's, it's really got, it's a real mental game and obviously contending for wins. You're going to get, you know, late race restarts. You're going to get cautions. You're going to have to deal with lap cards. There's, there's just a lot to it all that where where the mental game and staying strong and getting through those things are very important
1: but your physical game has so much to do with the mental game as well right so how do you keep yourself with racing so many times a week how do you keep yourself on a regular schedule of physical workouts and conditioning and nutrition and all of that how do you deal with all of well,
2: that I think mental mentally strong goes along with physically strong that's what because, I was saying uh, yeah I think if you're if you're mentally strong, you're going to get to the gym. You're going to be working out. You're going to stay okay. focused. You're not going to, you know, just go on a binge and go out and drink for a few nights when we're not racing. You know, you, 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 you gotta be able to say, okay, let's get back to the gym. Let's get back to watching video. Let's get back focused on what's important here. It's really easy to have a, you know, a bad weekend and then, you know, go out with the guys and, and, you know, have a couple nights of drinking. I think that just deters the whole situation. And uh, you know that's the easy way out, and uh, sometimes you gotta you gotta look yourself in the mirror and and realize you know man up and it's you know we gotta get on to the next one and and uh, it's a long season and you just gotta deal with some of those you know moments that are unpleasant. You mentioned Knoxville kind of being one of the catalysts
3: earlier, but I I'm curious, wit you know do you put one above the other looking at. The Knoxville win last year, and then maybe the moment where everybody saw your enthusiasm this year was the Kings Royal and $175,000 at Eldora. I mean, do, do you kind of put those on a similar level, knowing what each of them meant to you from a career standpoint?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Knoxville Nationals was like the breakthrough for me. Mm-hmm. It was the, okay, I can, you know, win these races. Uh, the Kings Royal was, you know, to me, I felt like we should win the, that race. You know, it was, uh, I had the confidence. I knew we were the favorite, you know, we'd, we'd won a ton of races through the summer. And, uh, that's a, that's a point that we were trying to get better at. So, uh, you know, once you start winning the races, you get better at winning races, you get better at leading laps, you know, it's just something that, that comes with the territory. So, um, you know, I think that's just, I'm just here to stay now. You know, I don't think that really surprised people as much as me winning the Knoxville Nationals the year before. And if I'm able to pull off and, and win this World of Outlaw championship, you know, to me, it just gives me more confidence and it makes me more hungry to, to keep winning these big races and championships. I know I don't have to tell
3: you this part, but there's only nine guys in the history of the tour that have that have gotten to that
2: pinnacle and won the championship. It's a pretty exclusive club. Yeah, no, obviously uh, we're we're aware of you know, uh, the history of the sport and, you know, the, the people that have tried to accomplish what we're, you know, trying to accomplish. And we know it's tough and uh, we know it's not over. And, uh, that's why we're trying to stay focused and, and finish as strong as possible. With that,
1: we're going to step aside. When we come back, we've got more with Brad sweet. We're going to be talking safety as in driver safety with Joe Marco a little bit uh, later on in the program as well. If you have a topic you'd like to see us address, we are on the HMS Motorsport Facebook page live right now. We have a live stream going on at the HMS Motorsport Facebook page. Just uh, send it to us on that, via that page. Just comment, and we'll try to get to your question in the second half of the show when we deal with driver safety. So we'll be back with more League App presented by HMS Motorsport from HMS Motorsport in Mooresville right after this
4: That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, rev up your career. Hi, this is Ross
0: Chastain. You're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to League Lap, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com or If you're in Mooresville, North Carolina or Danvers, Massachusetts, so are they. And uh, they would be happy to uh, talk with you about whatever your driver safety needs are. Again, uh, if you have a question for uh, the folks from HMS regarding driver safety, any type of driver safety uh, issue at all, uh, we are live streaming tonight on HMS Motorsports' Facebook page, HMS Motorsport on Facebook Um, Just uh, drop a comment, and we'll try to get to those in the second half when we do our driver safety segment. Tom Baker, Jacob Steelman, and uh, Nas Energy Drink, World of Outlaws points leader, Brad Sweet, is uh, with us as well. We're happy to have Brad for another segment, and uh, been enjoying kind of talking about some sprint car racing with him. Um, Talk a little bit about what's coming up down the stretch, because this has got to be a really... We've talked a lot about mental toughness so far. The last uh, handful of races or so, this is basically it, right? It's all coming down to the world final here in Charlotte.
2: Yeah, exactly. And we, we've worked hard to get to this point, and uh, we've done everything right. We're in the points lead. Um, you know, so there's just no need to, to change anything or change a mindset. You know, there there's a reason that we're in this situation, and we realize that, so uh, it's just all systems go like every other night you know we we want to go to port royal and win the races we want to go to charlotte and win the races and you know there's four nights we've won 16 races we'd love to to add more wins to that that calm if we do that the points obviously take care of themselves in a normal year i would look at
3: charlotte and you know maybe from a on a piece of paper standpoint, be a little nervous about y'all's chances because Charlotte hasn't always been kind to you guys like it necessarily has the 15 team. But I feel like this is a bit of a different year and you mentioned confidence and, and momentum being key into this. Do you come into into Charlotte knowing, hey, we can win just about anywhere because we've proven it at this point? Yeah, I mean, we,
2: we show up at every racetrack, you know, fully expecting to to compete for the win and uh, we, we don't treat any of these last four races any different than that um you know we've had success at port royal I've won a race there and, and been very competitive uh we've been very competitive at, at charlotte i haven't personally uh won a main event there but we've been second and third and and in the hunt to win uh we were leading the, in the spring race and blew a right rear tire so um you know it's it's just one of those things you got to go in and execute every single night and you can't let up you know, at the end and try to milk a point lead, you really got to finish strong. Seemed
1: like everybody uh, blew a tire in the spring race. That was incredible. I've never seen a race like that. What, from your point of view, what was the cause of a lot of that?
2: Yeah. In sprint car racing, we, you know, we don't do well when, uh, it's called rubber down, gets on the racetrack, basically, uh, rubber, the, the tracks turns abrasive and starts to eat the rubber off the tire. And it just, as the rubber gets laid down more and more, it starts to eat the tire more and more and get more and more abrasive. So, um, you know, it's just, I think it caught the teams off guard. We do have harder tires uh, for situations, you know, that require those. Uh, I don't think any of the teams realized that it was going to take rubber that quick, um, you know, and eat the tires as much as it did. So that, you know, that's just a, it's one of those bad deals. And, and you see that, you know, once or twice a year in sprint car racing where you get in those situations, um, you know, it's a little unfortunate. We didn't come out very good, but a lot of guys didn't either. So, uh, sure. you know, yeah, it's it just, crazy. that's just sprint car racing. That's a uh, part of the one of the 80, 85 nights we do for those who maybe haven't,
3: you know, followed you all the way to where you're at now. I want to go back to around 2008 when you first got that call from Casey to come and run for him. It started in USAC led, you know, kind of led you down the NASCAR path for a little while and then has ultimately brought you back to the Outlaws and to where you are now. I mean, I know this has been a long-term deal for you and, and you know, the driver-owner relationship. What you know, what was getting that call like, and really, what's the last decade been like being able to have that strong of a driver-owner relationship like the one that you and Casey have had?
2: Yeah, obviously, I realize I'm super fortunate in that situation. I worked really hard, um, you know, to, you know, try to make it to a, to a ride, obviously, like Casey Kane Racing, and, uh, was very fortunate, you know, there, that an opportunity arose at the end of 2007 and I was at the right place at the right time to, uh, to get that call. And then, uh, 2008, uh, had a successful USAC campaign with, you know, with KKR and, uh, you know, built a friendship with Casey and Willie and, and, you know, basically the whole organization and, uh, you know, just feel like I fit really in with Casey. We have a lot of, uh, you know, similarities and, and we love racing. We love working out. We love, you know, that's all we think about. It's all we talk about. So, obviously, a friendship uh, developed that was, you know, extremely close. You know, over time, we we loved, uh, you know, going on vacation together and, and just, you know, built a really close friendship. And and luckily enough uh, for me, I've been able to to perform, you know, at a high enough level to that, you know, he's been, you know, happy enough. We've been able to keep sponsors and, you know, obviously. You, you definitely, you know, if a guy's going to go out on a limb and give you this type of opportunity, you want to bring championships and, and win big races. So, you know, it's just a, a matter of now of, uh, you know, accomplishing those goals together. Was that called the, I made it moment or did that come later? Yeah. I mean, obviously you get the opportunity. It's what you do with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I feel like I, when I got the call, it was, uh, it made me realize, um, you know, if I wanted to. To really make it here uh, I was gonna have to buckle down and and work really hard Um, you know so it's uh, it's what you do with these opportunities that that really you know makes or breaks you and um, you know they they stepped out on a limb because I wasn't necessarily probably the most qualified driver at that point and uh, I'm happy you know with what I've been able to to bring to the company and at this point uh, I think we have a great relationship seems like
1: the world of outlaws has been on kind of a little bit of an upswing over the last few years, not only with, you know, new drivers and teams coming in, but also with sponsors. And I think that's great from your perspective, having, you know, been there a little while, what is your take on where the outlaws is at and maybe what would you like to see from the world of outlaws and in the way of continued improvements?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the world of outlaws is obviously a, a, has a great brand right now. Um, you know, sponsors like Nap Auto Parts, uh, NOS Energy Drink, and you, and you're seeing more of these companies, you know, start to dabble, uh, exalt uh, the Not nationals D. with David Gravel, the big way. You know, I think I think they're seeing uh, a lot of value for their dollar. Um, you know, in our grassroots, you know, there's still a lot of uh, we travel all over the country. Uh, there's still huge interaction with the fans. Um, you know, they're able to just really come down and meet the drivers, touch the race cars. It's it's just something that that seems to fit today's culture. Um, you know, we're, we're in and out a lot quicker. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not three or four days. Typically it's, you know, we're in a venue, uh, you show up at seven o'clock, we're out of there by 10 o'clock. It fits kind of yeah. today's culture. It's exciting. Um, you know, it's just, I feel like we don't have to, you know, create anything. It's already there. It's just a matter of getting people out there to see it. Mm-hmm. And that uh, seems like once people see it and, and we're getting better uh, exposure, you know, with, with guys like Kyle Larson and Casey and Tony, you know, and, and Ricky Stenhouse. And, and there's so many great owners that, that are, you know, really giving a lot of love to our sport. And that that, that opens other people's eyes and, and brings new people out to the track. Sure. And then when our product's good, um, you know, they come back. So uh, that would probably be my only thing is, um, you know, the world of outlaws. I'd love to, to really, you know, make sure that we're providing the best product every night. Uh, a little more control of the whole situation. I think at times we get uh, support classes involved and, you know, different track prep people involved. And I think to elevate it, uh, there just has to be a little bit more control of the whole situation. Um, You know, some added uh, entertainment uh, value that's not a support class, so to speak. Mm So, you know, it's something that the outlaws are working on and it's hard. It's a, it's a business model. It's, it's always evolving. You know, you're trying to figure out what the consumer wants and how you can grow it. And, you know, our, our venues are probably a little behind for really where our sports at. Um, and that's just because, you know, the money's not there yet. You know, you need, uh, uh, bigger sources of revenue, you know, to put in these venues, to have more seats, a better experience for Mm -hmm. the fans and, uh, they're working hard at it. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to happen overnight, but, you know, I think everybody's excited with uh, where the sports at. I'm certainly excited to, to be involved in it right now. And, you know, I feel like it's, never been in a better place than uh, where it is today.
3: So I know we've only got a couple minutes left in this segment before we have to let you get on your way Uh, real quickly. We know uh, outside of the Outlaw schedule once you get done at the World Finals uh, it doesn't mean you're done. You do some extracurriculars over the winter you go down to australia and race and we've even we've seen you in a midget at the chili bowl the last couple years as well uh talk about your plans after world finals are we going to see you back in tulsa in january
2: yeah so i'm going to go to australia and and, uh obviously go to sydney speedway i don't know if anyone else read the news but sydney speedway needs a little bit of help they've been uh you know the the land's been you know taken so to speak Mm -hmm. uh, for a railroad project so if you see if you can get on the online and sign the petition. Obviously they have a great thing going on that Sydney speedway and the Waldron's have put a lot of money and effort into making that place. Great. I love going down there and racing and, uh, hopefully they can get something figured out and and keep that track alive. But, um, you know, be back at chili bowl, uh, again in January, uh, with rusty coons and, um, you know, just, uh, try to fill the gaps in, but, you know, obviously need some downtime, uh, Mm -hmm, with the outlaw season. So, you know i just never know what my my off season's going to bring but i um, feel like i'm in my prime right now and and uh, should you know capitalize on these opportunities that i have yeah it
1: must be really a, a, an incredible time for you to be in the position that you're in and feeling like you know what to a degree at least i'm i've control my own destiny here with a few races left we can go get this championship
2: yeah certainly uh uh, like i said everyone says you know what do you think it's well i'd rather be 30 points ahead than 30 points behind or you know in years previous when we feel like we have a good seasons we've been a couple hundred points behind so you know uh we're in it and uh you know that's that's all we want's a chance and uh you know if we don't you know do anything wrong and and go win the races like we've been doing there's just no reason that uh We shouldn't be on the top of the podium at the end of the year. Um, And it's, it's what we fully expect. Uh, You know, we know we're capable of it. We just need to uh, go execute now.
1: Well, we certainly uh, have appreciated you stopping by here uh, to HMS Motorsport. And, spending some time with us we know that you've got another engagement tonight and we want to let you get there and we're looking forward to uh seeing you again in about a month's time at the world finals and hopefully maybe we can uh, catch catch up with you and do some more radio
2: yeah i appreciate you guys having me on and uh thanks for all the viewers for uh, tuning in all right well uh, with that we will step
1: aside when we come back jacob and i will talk about uh some other things that have gone on in the sport uh Playoffs and some other things uh, As such and we have had a lot Of uh, heated tempers Both locally and nationally as well We'll try to talk about those we get driver Safety commentary Coming up as well and really Some interesting stuff there if you're a driver Or you know a driver you're not Going to want to miss uh, what we've Got for you in the second half of the show we'll be Back with more of lead lap Presented by HMS Motorsport right after This Their representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina, and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your specific safety needs. You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Just stop in to HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com, or send them a message on Facebook. Tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media set you.
0: What an awesome game.
6: Hey, this is Reed Wilson, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to League Lap, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. We are live from HMS Motorsport here in Mooresville, North Carolina, and uh, a little bit of a different situation for us here tonight. We normally are live on the Performance Motorsports Network, which uh, has their own PMN radio app uh, that you can download for, doesn't matter if you have Android or uh, Apple or whatever, uh, you can download it for any device. and We're, we're on there still I was, tonight. I was going to say, um, we are on there. We also are normally on WSIC-TV 25 out of Charlotte, North Carolina. We are also on there tonight, but we've added another platform for the evening. We are doing a special Facebook live stream on the HMS Motorsport Facebook page. And so if you have any questions for uh, the folks at HMS about driver safety, uh, whether it's helmets or suits or whatever, it doesn't matter. um, Feel free to... Shoot a comment, and uh, we'll add that to our list of topics for the second half of the show. My name is Tom Baker. Jacob Seelman joining me for this evening. and uh, we See, under normal circumstances, I
3: would say that, that people smarter than us set up the live video feed, but Langenstein set up the live video feed. So,
1: <laughs> so are you picking on Austin Langenstein? Yes, I'm picking on Good. him because I okay. haven't gotten to for a well, while. He, he likes that once in <laughs> a while he finally uh, came in off the road long enough uh, yeah, to no say kidding. hi to he's us been for a he's been an ign-
3: he's been ignoring us for the last few shows we've done yeah here, so.
1: he's been uh, he's been traveling happy wanderer yeah that's kind of the kind of the deal for Austin so um man uh, you think about the weekend, you think about NASCAR. You and think there's about a Kansas. fight. Yeah, and, we, and we had a fight. Uh, Sorry, that was I the obvious if I place call to it start. A fight. That was sort of a weird deal. Um, for those of you who were under a rock this weekend and missed it, after the Xfinity race on pit road, Cole Custer and Tyler Reddick got thing. into a <laughs> little bit of a, it was more of a grabbing match. and. <laughs> The two teams were the ones fighting more so than the drivers, I think. But dear, dear teams, let the drivers yes. handle it. Yeah. Well, you know the teams want to back up their driver, but it it uh, as Pen, as a Penske crew
3: member said to a Hendrick crew member during the Brad Keselowski Jeff Gordon to do at Texas in 2014. This ain't our fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's... it
3: shouldn't be their fight. That's just kind That's of. That's my two cents on it. Yeah,
1: I agree, but it's it's just interesting, um, the way that uh, that went down. But you know, the two drivers are friends, and it was just over uh, a restart situation. And I'm sure that they'll talk. I mean, it, it the whole thing started when Cole Custer just mm. basically walked up and put his hand on Tyler Reddick's shoulder to to have a discussion with him, and. Tyler, Tyler didn't take wasn't, too kindly yeah, to that. he wasn't in the mood to have Cole put a hand on the shoulder. And so, uh, doo occurred, but, uh, it was, it was a great race. I thought actually both races were good races at Kansas in terms of uh, not so much Sunday in terms of necessarily, you know, side by side, whatever, but it had a lot of drama all the way through because, did, you know, again, sure. being a, being the last, race in the round, uh, was a cutoff event. So, you know, you had a lot of ups and downs as far as who's in and who's out. And it literally came right down to the last couple of laps. <sighs> did it ever. And I'm sure you're referring to Sunday. Um, yeah, Sunday. Yeah.
3: Wow. I, I have never seen a playoff uh, cutoff race get as topsy turvy as that one did except at Talladega when Talladega was the cutoff race for a couple of years probably since we went to this elimination-style playoff format, it was amazing to me how quickly the situation changed from lap to lap, not just over those final two overtimes, but really from from 15 to go when Ryan Blaney slapped the wall, destroyed yeah. his right rear tire, and you know sent the field down pit road. It was on from there. I mean, we, we thought we knew... How that was going to, and ultimately, at least the winner did turn out how we thought it was going to turn out still. But from 15 to go on is when everything we thought we knew about the playoffs changed. And I thought Chase Elliott was in a must win situation. And bizarrely enough, he didn't end up having to win because that last overtime, you see. You know, Joey Logano have his issues right before that, and then Brad Keselowski tags the wall off turn two, and suddenly, you know, you have to finish within 14
1: spots of somebody. You think, oh, that's easy. Well, until it wasn't. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, it was unusual at Kansas. Mm -hmm. To have this much drama going on, but that's the way it played out. I wasn't complaining. No, I mean, it was it was really interesting to to sort of keep up with Mm -hmm. all of that. And and really, um, you know, a lot of talk about the Hendrick cars. Yes, I thought Alex Bowman would have a much stronger day. That didn't happen. William Byron had a strong day, but he it was wasn't just strong in. He,
3: he was just in too big of a point hole yeah. coming. Well, and to be real, William wasn't even in the biggest point hole coming in. I think Chase was actually of the three of them in the biggest. He was, but it in. wasn't.
1: It was a negligible difference between the two. They both I mean, really were almost. We've never in any
3: round other than somebody actually winning their way out of it. We've never seen a driver since this format was implemented, make up 22 points to advance without winning the race. To me, that that 22 points is 22 positions on the racetrack. That's a big time number to make up on a, on the cut line in one race. The well, fact that Chase did it, to me, was really the most remarkable thing about the entire day.
1: Right, because, again, for those watching or listening to this who aren't really familiar, 22 points is 22 positions. So you're, you're really talking half about... half the field. Right, you're talking about half of the field. You're talking about having to make up 22 positions on the driver who was on the cutoff line. And or in Chase's case,
3: I think Chase was a couple spots below the cut line, so you're talking about yeah. having to make up that number of points
1: on more than one person. Yeah. I mean, it was just a crazy... A lot of drivers had strange occurrences.
3: Yes, they did. You
1: know, they really did. That's just something you don't normally see at a track Mm -hmm. like Kansas. But well, and to be
3: fair, you mentioned Bowman didn't have a strong day. That really that started right at the beginning of the race. You know, about six laps in, he got into it with Ryan Newman. And as as Alex said, it took the the rear quarter panel off. I think the right rear off it, if I remember what he said right, and that just ruined their day
1: I think after that. Was that was one that the one Stenhouse was involved in, too?
3: I th- yeah, I think it might have been both yeah. rouse cars now that yeah. you say that.
1: Yep. And so it was, again, it was just a weird, it was a weird day. I mean, it was just no way to, no other way to say it, it was a strange day. And, you know, that's, I guess, when you set up the playoff format, that's what you want. That's, you, you want to see days where it's unpredictable and you want it to be at tracks other than we know Talladega is going to be that way. Daytona is going to be that way. We don't expect Kansas to be that way, way, but it it would be good if we could get these mile and a halves to be more competitive. And I think slowly they're Mm -hmm. gaining on it. You want to know, you want to know two words that I never thought
3: I would say out loud for a mile and a half race, or I guess five words.
1: Well, there's a big difference between two and five. Well, is it two or five?
3: It, it's five. When okay. I really, when I really thought about it, because the the two you probably could have said somewhere else, but I know the five we haven't seen all year. Five wide for the
1: lead. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> and see, Kansas is wide enough to do that. You know, the yeah, other thing, that's, things that you don't see at mile and a half tracks. The people. other things that the other thing that stands out to me is something you told me earlier, which I was surprised at when the the TV ratings numbers came in. Holy cow, yes, we need
3: to talk about that. Um, so if anybody's not been paying able to pay attention to NBC Sports on social media today, they released their the TV numbers for Sunday's television broadcast, which was on Big Bird or Big NBC, the national network. Right. Um, and they were up from somewhere in the realm of 2.6 million viewers to 3.2 million and change a 20%. No, I did not stutter. 20% increase year over year and no last year's race was not affected by rain, same time slot, same weekend basically. I mean, all the factors were there. It was virtually unchanged. The fact this is the first true huge ratings increase for any race year over year that we've yep. seen all season long and that's a
1: big deal. It is a big deal and I th- you know, I've been saying all along that you can't use the TV ratings numbers in and of themselves as a sole barometer for any type of, of uh, conclusion about the, sp- the popularity of the sport because more and more people are getting rid of cable. And, and if you're not watching the race on cable... You aren't part of the numbers, right? The numbers only factor in network numbers. If you're watching it on your computer or YouTube TV or, Mm -hmm. you know, wherever you're not you're not going to get factored in. And right. Now, so, in fairness, NASCAR has
3: developed additional numbers nowadays to be able to track how many people are, are, you know, track streaming and track streaming minutes.
1: Well, understood. But my point is that the number that everybody defaults
3: to is the Nielsen is rating, is the, yeah. Is
1: the ratings numbers. And the first, I think it was five straight races this year, the NASCAR Cup broadcasts was the most watched sporting event of the weekend. Mm-hmm. So the the ratings have been trending up all season long, but this is probably the most Perhaps, drastic
3: yeah, increase
1: sure. year over year for a single race we've seen. Absolutely.
3: And so I know, that's uh, a good thing. I know Sam flood and all the folks with NBC uh, when, you know, when they started um, buzzing about it on social earlier today on Twitter, particularly uh, there's a lot of optimism right now going into the stretch run of the playoffs here. And I think you may see that trend, that trend continue over these next four races. I mean, look at the race tracks we're going to, you've got Martinsville coming up this weekend. Yep. I'm looking forward to getting back there. Um, you've got Texas, which has produced some interesting moments over the last couple of years. Ask Brad Keselowski and Jeff Gordon about that one <laughs> um, Phoenix, which behaves more and more like a short track nowadays with the way they've had to drive it. Um, and we've seen some body slamming ISM. moments there too. Yes. Okay. ISM. For our friends
1: even, at ISM, we got to do it right.
3: ISM Raceway. Even the drivers still call it Phoenix. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. You know, and, and then and, there's Homestead. Then, uh, I was gonna say, and then of course there's Miami, yeah. which has produced no shortage of exciting racing over its tenure. So you know, these four races have every uh, have me believing that there will be positive momentum in these last four races, and I think NBC's sure. got a lot to be excited about.
1: Well, they do, and I, I think they're doing a great job with the broadcast. Now, obviously, I think, the, I think the races that are on NBC Sports Network are not going to draw quite the the ratings just because mm-hmm. it's not the parent NBC. I think,
3: but I'll check on this during the break, but certainly I, be think close. The,
1: I think the only
3: uh, the only race that we've got left that's on NBC's uh, SN is Texas.
1: Okay. Well, I think. We'll look that up during the break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk more uh, about what's going on, not only with NASCAR, but other things as well. And uh, the second half of the show, we're going to bring Joe Marco on and talk some driver safety. So happy to have our HMS Motorsport Facebook live stream audience here. And looking forward to the rest of the show, we're going to step aside, be back in just a moment with more of Lap presented by HMS Motorsport right after this.
6: At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't
7: assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
3: Hi, I'm Jesse Love, and you're listening to Race Chaser
0: Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to League Lap as we broadcast live from HMS Motorsport here in Mooresville, North Carolina. Tom Baker and Jacob Seelman with you. Joe Marco going to be joining us shortly. We also are live on the HMS Motorsport Facebook page. So if you happen to be near um, your phone or computer and you want to watch the live stream, you can do that. Just go to HMS Motorsport. Facebook page and you'll find us. We are live there. And uh, also of course on the performance motorsports network and W S I C TV 25 in Charlotte, North Carolina, whichever way you can uh, grab us. We appreciate you being here and being a part of the show. And Mm -hmm. we've been talking cup uh, for a little while. We're going to switch and talk trucks here because trucks come back into the, the picture at Martinsville, and I think Spencer Boyd is still walking about uh, 10 feet off the ground after his big win at Talladega, but um, the playoff guys are now in a situation where they're starting to think stretch run to the championship, and it's kind of natural, I think, to focus on Tyler Ankrum because Tyler's the one that isn't supposed to be in this playoff Uh, race. At this yeah. point, he wasn't supposed to be there to begin with. He certainly wasn't supposed to make it out around one. And, you know, here he is still alive. Um, and coming into a couple of tracks, I mean, he says he doesn't, he do- Martinsville's not one of his better tracks, but you wouldn't know it by the speed. Right. Um, you know, if he can, if he can run well in Martinsville here this, th- this coming weekend, um, you know, there's a young man with an opportunity to go to Phoenix, which he does really like. Oh, yeah. And then yes. finish at Homestead, which you know is um, a mile and a half track, which has been DGR Crosley's strength with Tyler Ankrum this year. It's it's an intriguing position for him to be in at this point. He kind of got really is. the the hardest part of his journey here. Now he's got to focus on. Uh, Finishing strong at Martinsville, but at least he goes to some tracks and he feels like maybe he can control his own destiny a little bit. Yeah, exactly
3: right, because you can't control your own destiny at Talladega. Uh, that's one of those deals where it just kind of is what it is. It happens, and you have to deal with it. So, like you said, now we move on to a couple of short tracks, and he swears up and down that Martinsville's his worst track in the schedule, but he's going to have to be good there because, yeah. you know, yes, he's only a couple points below the cut line right now, You know, I think it's two points, but yeah. When you consider that the top eight, you know, the top, or top six now in the playoffs are probably going to be among those eight to ten positions. You have to be able to go outpace the guys that are around that cut line. And he's probably going to have to be in the top three to five in these next two races in order to get above that cut line and be one of the four going for Homestead. I mean, or he can just win a race. But I think, you know, somebody's going to make it on points regardless. And I know Tyler told me after Talladega, he said, you know, there's no reason to believe it can't be us
1: well there's no reason to believe it can't be them and moreover i think this is a situation where you say he needs to finish the top three or five but mm-hmm. that's again assuming that we don't have you know real problems for some of the guys above him and we it seems like every race in this truck series playoff so far Right. We've, we've had one or two drivers that have had big time problems. Yeah. And, you know, Martinsville is a short track after all. And there's going to be beating and banging and probably a few trucks in the wall before this one's over. Yes. um, You know, it's it, or trucks with busted radiators. Yeah. Or, so, know. I mean, you know, this is definitely a situation that I think. Uh, any of these guys really could still make great gains. And do I think Tyler could win Martinsville? Yeah, I I do. Mm -hmm. I think he's capable of winning Martinsville or ISM. But I think, obviously, you know, you're still focused on the guys that you've been talking about all year. You know, the the Moffats and
3: and Austin Hills
1: and Chastains. Well, I think the biggest thing right now about this
3: playoff is consider – who the one guy in the playoffs that actually crashed out and couldn't finish that Talladega race was Ross Chastain. Who's the driver that's been really the guy we've talked about all playoff up to this point, Ross Chastain. Who do you have to look out for as being a guy that is
1: probably going to win his way to Homestead? Ross Chastain. Yeah. Ross, you, you know, you go back to when I was a kid, the incredible Hulk was on TV and, you know, as the old, you know, Mr. McGee, please don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Uh, I do know Chastain that Ross is angry, but. Well, I, I, he's not. He's coming into Martinsville off of a crash, and I'm not saying he's necessarily going to be angry, but he's certainly going to be determined. He's not going to want to have another bad result. So it seems like every time something negative happens to that team, the next race, they go out and they either win or they're right there. And and I feel like this is that scenario for Ross to, um, to, to nail down his, uh, you know, his fate for the championship run. And I still think that the road to the championship at this moment, at least still goes through that team. Um, regardless of what, the actual standings may say, I right. still think Ross is the guy that you got to look at. Um, but, but again, Moffitt is uh, uh, Brett Moffitt has been sneaky. Good. Yes. Um, and, well, he, Moffitt, and it seems like also peaking. won at Martins yeah. before too. Yep. So I feel like the team's peaking right now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's when you want to be. So, right. you know, you just, you, you look at the scenario here and it just feels like, this race at Martinsville is just going to be an over-the-top battle royal. Yes. You know, everybody's going to be up for it. Everybody's going to be on edge. You know, as we get down to the end, everybody's going to be trying for every point they can get. The one thing that Tyler Ankrum has not done well all year that he needs to do well in these next two races is stage points. He's got to be up front at the end yes, of stages. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, to go back to the Ross Chastain point for a second,
3: um, as I was reminding myself of some of his numbers from this year, stop and consider just how good Ross Chastain and Nice Motorsports have been. In 20 races this year, he's got 16 top 10s. Other than Eldora, which is dirt and not his forte, where he finished 12th, The only other times he's finished outside the top 10 all year are Talladega and Michigan, where he was crashed out in both of those races, and Iowa, where he won the race and got DQ'd. Other than that, top 10s all the way. It's been remarkable to me just how consistent this team's been.
1: It has, yeah. I mean, and that's, again, you know, it's hard because you look at the standings, you know, Moffitt, and here's the other driver with it we it seems like we we never talk about but he just he's there and that's Stewart Friesen. yes and i mean Stuart is again this is he's gotten to this point and i think for him the key is consistency mm-hmm. keep doing what you're doing don't make a big mistake don't mess up on pit road don't you know don't have a bad result don't crash the the thing that Friesen needs to do is get there. If he goes to Homestead, he's got a shot at this. And I and and with, um, <clears throat> you know, thirty three points separating, um, y- you know, Friesen from, um, fr- from uh, Moffitt, um, and forty four points back to Matt Crafton. I think you've got a situation where, you know, there it suddenly becomes you. Bet, some of these guys better go win. Well. Okay, so so here's
3: the numbers that I'm worried about, and it's not the numbers to Brett Moffat. Okay, Brett Moffat is basically safe unless he implodes right. at Martinsville and he's got to implode at both Martinsville and Phoenix right. to not race for a championship, and I think he'll win one of those two. Um, so he's got 40, Brett Moffat has 45 points between himself and the cut line. Stuart Friesen has twenty-two points between himself right. and the cut line. He's twenty-three back of Moffat, but twenty-two above fifth place Tyler Ankrum. That's a comfortable number, but as we were actually discussing before the show, it's not a safe number. No. You know, twenty-two not at all. points is we watched Chase Elliott make up twenty-two points in one race at Kansas. So proof it's not a safe number, other than Brett Moffitt. I don't feel like any of these guys right now are truly safe. When it comes, I to agree points. with you. And that's going to be a bit, that's going to be a really big thing here because yes. you know, when it comes right down to it, we know for sure, regardless, well, actually now with uh, Spencer Boyd winning Talladega, we know for sure that two drivers are going to point their way into Homestead, Miami. That's a guarantee. Even if two playoff guys win the next two races, two guys are going to get in on points So every position in these next two races is absolutely critical. When Austin Hill is only 12 points to the good, Matt Crafton is only one point to the good right now, you've got to go out, like you said, score stage points, be in position, do what you have to do, because two, two of these five guys that aren't Brett Moffitt are going to go to Homestead and or three of these guys that aren't Brett say, yeah. I can't do math right now. Yeah. Three of those five guys that aren't Brett Moffat are going to Homestead. Two of them are going on points. That's what I was trying to get to. And I really don't think we have any idea who those two guys that are going to point their way in are yet.
1: No, I don't either. And I think, it's, I think it's most interesting the way this is shaped up for these truckers because, again, this has been such a close series all year long. I just can't. Uh, I can't wait to see what the rest of the schedule brings right. Me for, too. Uh, for the series. It should be a lot of fun. Saturday, obviously, at Martinsville is the, uh, the truck race. So uh, make sure that uh, you tune in and watch that on FS1. With that, we will step aside as we uh, get ready to enter our second hour and our driver safety conversation. When we return, we'll have Joe Marco on set with us and uh, Joe will talk to us a little bit about some interesting things going on with driver suits with regard to NASCAR for 2020 that and much more driver safety information right around the corner. You're watching or listening to lead lab presented by HMS motorsport from HMS motorsport back after this. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math and science person. No problem and no excuses because it's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You could start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. mycomputercareer.edu, that's mycomputercareer.edu.
4: And the skills necessary to drift competitively, from skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today three zero four seven two five eight four four four, or for more information, go online Summit Point Race.
8: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council.
0: Hi, this is Ty Ingram, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to lead lap presented by HMS motorsport the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com, motorsport.com or if you're in the Mooresville, North Carolina or Danvers, Massachusetts areas, just go to their store and visit them. We are in Mooresville right now and we are um, actually about to talk driver safety. Joe Marco from HMS is on set with us now. And uh, if you're, watching us on the HMS Motorsport Facebook page as a live stream we want to say hi to our audience we know we got at least one or two from outside the US paying attention to us so that's always cool um of course our audience on WSIC TV out of Charlotte and uh, the Performance Motorsports Network as well and by the way uh you can also get this show on demand by searching Race Chaser Radio on Spotify tune in Apple Music, Google Play, Google Music, whatever it is, or most other uh, major podca- podcast platforms 24 hours after the show ends. So with that, um, Joe, I know that uh, you've got some interesting things to talk about. And the first one that you wanted to talk about has to do with NASCAR. They're doing something with driver's suits next year with regard to the fire retardancy and all of that, and the SFI rating. Talk about what that
8: is, because I was a little intrigued by this. Yeah, that's right, Tom. Uh, This last year, they've uh, they've had some tests of some of the suits that various drivers have tried. Uh, There's always this challenge when you get a a custom suit made that sponsors change and change. And in this day and age, sponsors change much quicker than they used to. Right. Uh, You know, we, we don't get one sponsor for a car for the whole year and everything stays the same. So what that means is that the uh, the drivers often need to make a change either to an existing suit or to get a new suit, and sometimes there's just simply not enough time to get a new suit. So what have they've done? They've resorted to talking, to going to a local shop that can do embroidery or a local shop that can do um, heat transfer uh, in order to get that sponsor onto uh, onto the suit, and. The challenge with that is, you know, embroidery is a little bit less of a challenge because embroidery, being as dense as it is and as many um, threads that, that, go, that threads that go on there, uh, embroidery tends to still, even if it's not done with Nomex, which it absolutely needs to be done, it still will keep some of that fire and stuff out, and not, and and the density will prevent it from burning as much. But it really needs to be Nomex. So if you're going to do additional embroidery. You need to make sure it's been do it's done with Nomex thread. Right now, there's a difference between embroidery on a custom suit and embroidery that you have done after the fact. Tell us that embroidery on a custom suit when it's made uh, in Italy, generally or wherever they're made, uh, that that is done uh, on the outer layer only. So when they put the before they put the suit together, they uh, do all the embroidery, they get it all done, then they add the additional layers and put the put the suit together. So what that does is it gives you the best protection on the suit, uh, the best fire protection on the suit uh, that you can have. Now, as soon as you start penetrating all of the layers with embroidery, whether you're doing it with Nomex thread or you're doing it with cotton thread, or and certainly not with polyester thread, right. the, the thing is is that you now have reduced the fire protection that you would get from from that. The other problem that we have now is is there's been a lot more tendency to do uh, heat transfers. Now, heat transfers are really uh, a bit of an issue because not all, in fact, most heat transfer processes result in a surface on the the suit that's not fire retardant. And in fact, it actually will flame.
2: And NASCAR
8: has done some tests in suits in the last year with some suits they've gotten from various people and found quite a bit. Of danger in actually the, the flame that could come out of that suit. Wow, uh, that that would then violate the you know the integrity. So you're going to have a flaming surface on uh, on the on the ed- on the top of the suit. The other thing is is that the more of the uh, either dry transfer or heat transfer or even some screen printing processes, the suit doesn't have the tendency to breathe anywhere near. What the suit would breathe if it was just left to be the the Nomex material and the and the fire retardant material that are used in the suits. So based on that, NASCAR has said next year for the top three series, so for for Cup, Xfinity, and Truck, uh, they are going to require a new SFI standard, uh, which is in the process of being developed and submitted to SFI. It's being reviewed by the uh, board of directors of SFI. I believe it's going to be called 3.4a and there will be a slash 5, 5 being the rating required of the suit. And what's primarily different with that rating is that it's going to require the printed-on graphics or the embroidered graphics to be done by the manufacturer as a certified process. So the manufacturer will have to submit swatches of their suit material along with the process they use to embroider or to die sublimate, or to screen print, or to heat transfer to, to approve how that process is being done to ensure that the fire retardancy is maintained. Okay, so to boil this down then for
1: the average guy on a, you know Saturday night racer who may want to heed this, even though we're really dealing with the NASCAR National Series rule, um, tell us what, if I'm a Saturday night racer, what do I need to avoid or do differently because of this rule?
8: Well, I mean, this rule will not, again, it's only going to apply to the top three series. But, well, if, yes, you wanna but apply, if you want to if you want to, if you want to be a safety issue, what you need to do is the best thing you can do, the safest thing you can do to add to a suit would be to do embroidery and to make sure that the embroiderer is using Nomex thread. That's okay. going to be the safest thing. Any kind of heat transfer, there's a very complicated process. Uh, it's not a complicated process, but there are a lot of additional steps. There's only certain materials, and it's not something that's widely known or widely used to, with heat transfer. So if you just go around to your local embroidery or printing shop and ask them to screen print or to do a heat transfer, the likelihood that they're going to have the proper materials because the screen, uh, the heat transfer would require the basic layer put down, and then another layer put over top of it, okay. which is going to give you the fire protection. And that's a, and it's an expensive process. the The materials that you're using are more expensive, and it has to be done in a in a multi-step process. And that's not something that really there's anybody around here that I know that does it. And it's something that that is is something you need to be concerned about. Interesting. So this is something. That even though NASCAR
1: is basically the sanctioning body, that it, it almost seems like they're taking the lead on this. They basically. are.
8: They're taking the lead because they identified a couple of driver's okay. suits that actually had a problem. Um, you know. Now the other thing that's going to be, I believe, is going to be part of the standard is they are going to take. Um, they're going to take a st- uh, pictures. The manufacturer has to take pictures of the suit and show the graphics that have been presented so that that will prevent the driver from going outside of the manufacturer or an approved facility by the manufacturer so some of the manufacturers are working to develop an approved facility that can do an after the fact application of of a graphic and then but that will still have to be documented for NASCAR officials interesting wow
1: okay something else to keep track of but again you know we you don't want to defeat the purpose of your driving suits flame re- retardancy uh, by by doing this stuff wrong so it's important to understand even if you're not in NASCAR that uh, this is something you should still pay attention to we're going to try to we we're a little we run a little bit over time here so far in the show we're going to try to get caught up here so we're going to step aside again take a short break when we come back more with Joe Marco driver safety coming up right after this
0: but it's those tough choices that help me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Casey Kane, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Lead Lab. We continue with our number two. We've got about uh, 45 minutes left or so in the show. My name is Tom Baker with Joe Marco from HMS Motorsport. And that's where we are uh, currently broadcasting from. We do about uh, four of these a year with the folks at HMS Motorsport. We just love coming over here and giving you a chance to not only see what HMS Motorsport has to offer, but also to get some great safety information from uh, the folks that are here because, Joe, you guys actually have uh, some input at times with a lot of these sanctioning bodies and uh, different forms of racing in terms of uh, what's going on in the driver safety world, which, you know, really kind of makes you guys cutting edge, I would say, not just about retailing products or selling, but also about actually
8: getting in and helping uh, racing be safer. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we've done a lot of here at HMS. Uh, I mean, uh, we've helped a number of the sanctioning organizations, Porsche Club, BMW Club, SCCA. What used to be World Challenge, that's now changed a little bit. Uh, and we have uh, Formula Drift, uh, and, uh, and with NASCAR itself, I mean, we've been involved uh, since 2002, basically. We've been involved with uh, most of the development that they've done in the seatbelt side. You know, we were the first to introduce two-inch lap belts, uh, cam locks, Uh, over under shoulder belt. All this is technology that we brought uh, to NASCAR and we brought uh, then, you know, the fact of two inch lap belts in their own right for seat belts is really something that HMS pioneered way back in 2002. Wow. I mean, uh, before, before the last two or three years, almost all of the belts, majority of them out there were three inch lap belts. And now if you look around, almost all the belts are now moving to two inch. On nearly uh, all the NASCAR drivers are in two inch lap belts. Uh, most of the IndyCar drivers, uh, most of the IMSA drivers. Uh, so it, it's a thing, and now we, I would say we probably sell ninety-seven percent two inch lap belts. So that's a, but that was a big change. We it had was, get, yeah. We had to get, uh, we had to educate, you know, people that a two inch lap belt's just as safe, just as comfortable. It's much more comfortable actually. And we had to we had to prove to the sanctioning organizations that this was a good uh, a good solution. Unfortunately, we had a lot of help from uh, Dr. John Melvin, uh, who did some you know studies uh, on showing that a two-inch lap belt was was actually you know no worse load; it was a better load and it fits better. So there are a lot of things like that. But we've been very honored to over the 25 years. In January, it'll be 25 years for HMS been very honored that we've been able to work with so many different sanctioning organizations you know, and bring head and neck restraints. We were the first, we brought head and neck restraints to the first, BMW Club was the first one to mandate head and neck restraints. And we did wow. the same thing with Formula Drift. We did the same thing with SVRA. We said, we'll come in and we'll help you, but we want you to adopt more realistic safety standards. And so we're very proud of that. And that's something that that you know, is well beyond what we sell. It's It's who we are. We're here to provide the safety. And And then, you know, the talk today that we're talking about, we started out with suits, you know, it's something that really affects everybody. So
1: that's why I, before we went to break, I made mention and asked the question, if I'm just a, you know, Saturday night Joe short track racer and, but I want to make sure that if I'm going to do any type of sublimation or heat transfer or anything to my suit once I've gotten it from the manufacturer, you know, what what do I need to be careful of or watch out for? And you mentioned make sure that they're doing it with uh, Nomex thread um, so you're not reducing right. the effect of, right. of the suit itself. Now, uh, you had a little bit more to say on that subject, Yeah, too. so
8: um, the real thing is, is if you start doing like heat transfer, that material when it goes onto the suit is quite thick. So what happens is it reduces the breathability of the suit. So the suit is going to – if you do a lot of this, not only is it likely going to be flammable because it's very hard for somebody to get the right materials to make it not flammable. Okay. But in addition, it's not going to breathe. So you're going to be much hotter in the suit. A suit, if it's designed properly, is, is helping to take that the sweat and the moisture away from you and dissipate it out of the suit to help to keep you cooler and drier. And that kind of brings – the other area, which is underwear. All right. And we've talked about this on other segments of uh, when we've done. Yeah. It.
1: But we want to talk about it again. And the reason for that is it, it's, I, I mean, I, you and I both go to a lot of different types of race tracks, a lot of different types of racing. And I keep seeing drivers wear t-shirts under their suits, um, you know, the wear under armor type stuff under their suits. Yeah. Um, please, if you're a driver, please stop it. Right. And Joe's about to explain why I'll tell you, you need why. to do so, that.
8: So you have a suit on and you're wearing a cotton t-shirt and cotton boxers. All right. Now you get into a fire and you're stuck in the car for seven or eight minutes, which the suit will do a great job. If you have a, a slash five SFI suit or an FIA suit, it should be good for seven to nine minutes or seven to nine seconds. Was just going to say, I in thought seven, that was... Yeah, in seven <laughs> to nine seconds, though, if you've got cotton on and you're hot and you're sweaty that cotton holds that moisture next to your body, okay? And so what happens is when you have that moisture next to your body, uh, that moisture will boil. So the suit doesn't let the fire through, but that moisture boils, and now you get a steam burn. And that's what happened uh, with Dale Jr. when he had a fire in the Corvette way back uh, yeah. when he was racing IMSA. Sports cars, yeah. You know, the other thing is if you wear something that's polyester, polyester is a fiber that melts. So if you don't want to worry about the steam burn, with polyester you can worry about uh, picking the plastic uh, off your skin and taking some skin with it. So you really got to be very careful. Now, the last thing I want to tell people that they don't know is they think if I put on full Nomex underwear that I'm going to be hotter than I would be if I don't. And that's not true. And that's not true. And the reason it's not true is because the, the the underwear, whether it's Nomex or Carbonex or Portal, the Willero that we sell, that wicks the moisture away from the body and it helps to dissipate that moisture out through the suit. And by doing that, by getting that moisture away from the body, you are going to actually be cooler over the period of a half hour or 45 minutes you spend in the car than you would be if you just let it. If you add, you know, cotton or whatever that's holding that moisture to the body. So it you'll be, I promise you, you don't believe it and you, it doesn't make sense to you. But when you have that extra layer and you're letting that wicking take its process, the suit is designed to wick material away and to send it out as is the underwear. So don't wear cotton underneath. Don't wear polyester underneath. Polyester would be the armor all and armor and, all whatever or the
1: not armor all under <laughs> under armor, under armor. Right. <laughs> don't wear armor all either by <laughs> the way, but uh yeah, no yeah. under armor type stuff because that's what melts to your right. skin right. the uh cotton will give
8: you a steam burn right. uh,
1: so you're better no off, you're
8: better wear off wearing nothing, but if you want to be cooler you're going to wear proper underwear and long sleeves, long legs, and I promise you. If you do it, and you, you'll you'll realize that you actually are cooler than you are with with nothing or with uh, cotton.
1: Yeah, I never have understood. I've seen short sleeve Nomex, and it I don't. It's like you're leaving. Why would you do that? The yeah. whole point is. Well, there to been fire giant, I
8: mean, if you're gonna if you're, I'd rather you wear short sleeve Nomex than a t-shirt, than, than but nothing still, or cotton or polyester. Yeah. But long, long sleeve is not going to be You're actually going to be cooler with yeah. long sleeve. Yeah. Long now.
1: Um, but I want to differentiate too because the Walero brand, right. and again, we're not trying to sell Walero here. We're trying to explain facts to you and
8: let you make the decisions. And you mentioned it so I can now talk about right. it. Right, <laughs> okay. but Walero is actually yeah. a different material than yeah. the typical Nomex, so correct? So Walero is not made from uh, Nomex or Carbonex. It's made out of portal uh, with an additional fiber into the, into the mill, into the fabric called Outlast. And what that does is it actually, it feels like, cotton. So it's very soft. It doesn't itch. It's not scratchy like Nomex or Carbonex. Uh, it's not a compression. You don't want compression, by the way, in underwear on a, on a suit. You don't want compression. Compression is designed to uh, have for sports where you're trying to keep the, the blood in the muscle. You want to let the blood flow because that's going to actually help you be cooler. So the right. you don't want absolute skin tight underwear. You want to have something that has a little bit of breathability sure. to it. The Willero is special because with the Outlast fiber, which was developed by NASA for space shuttle and for fighter pilots, it actually will help to maintain a common core temperature. So uh, they did a test uh, with some of the F1 or, or uh, World um, you know, British Touring car. Okay. Did a test. And they did it in a simulator in Europe, which was a 90-minute test. And they did one day. And the simulator can get the temperature up to 96 degrees. Wow! Now in Europe, 96 degrees is the maximum cockpit temperature that's allowed. If your car goes over that in an IMSA race in Europe, they actually will flag you. They have a sensor and they'll bring your car in. So 90, So they have air conditioning to bring it down to at least 96. But at 96 degrees, over 90 minutes with the highest quality, you know, general underwear from right. you know uh, any anybody, Alpine Star, Adidas, which is great stuff. Uh, in 90 minutes, the body temperature of that person rose from 98.6 to 103.8. Okay, when they did the same test the following day with Willero, the temperature only rose to 99.3. So it went up, it went up less, less, than less than a degree. Less than, it went up less than a degree over 90 versus, minutes versus two degrees. Wow. Which is a big difference. And what that does is that means your, your peak heart rate is lower. Uh, it also. They measured the, the loss of fluids and there was a 40%. It reduced the amount of perspiration and loss of fluids by 40% over the same period of time. So, it's a, not only does it keep the core temperature down, but it also reduced the, the, the fluid loss, which, wow. is, which is good. So again, there is a big difference between the
1: Willero brand right now and most of what's out there for, right. uh, for underwear. Um, so again, your, your choice, your decision, but we wanted to, again, we try to educate you and that's what we're doing here. Um, okay. So with all of that understood, if again, if I'm a Saturday night short track racer and I'm running in a, a class that runs, you know, 30, 40, 50 laps a race, um, d- there's really probably a little bit less of a distinction between, say, the Valero brand and your typical brands of underwear than there would be if I'm running 200 or 300 or 400 you know, lap or
8: mile races. If you're in, if you're in your soup for 20 minutes, you're not going to find a huge difference. The one difference is, though, is that the Valero brand has a, uh, a, t- a TPP, a thermal protection rating, okay. that's n- twice what the standard is. So thermal protection rating is the rating that the SFI or FIA requires that uh, before the fabric can burn through, okay? The, the requirement of the two standards is a six. Okay, Willero has a standard of 11.8, so it's nearly twice wow. now. FIA is a new standard coming out this year which is going to be much closer to where Rolero is. So the other ones well what's going to happen then is the other people to meet that standard have had to double layer their material. So the weight of what they had from before which might have been lighter is now going to be much heavier in order to do it and so we'll we'll have a, a nice advantage there. But so yeah. again either
1: is okay. But Valero, uh, increasingly yep. smarter And we've had, we've
8: had a number of cup drivers. We have a, a major team, which I, I can't talk about because they're, they're right, testing sure. it. But, but uh, two or three of the top drivers that you'll see, uh, people in the chase, are, 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 are using wow. Valero with some, with some good luck. Uh, Corey LaJoy's used it for the last uh, two years. In 2017, he had uh, four trips to the Enfield Care Center for fluids. In 2018, with Valero, zero. So well, uh, and we've got a number of other drivers that have had similar experience.
1: I know Anthony Alfredo had it on uh, when he caught fire at Texas and yep. he was very thankful that he had it. And with that, uh, we're going to step aside more with Joe Marco as we continue on Lead Lab presented by HMS Motorsport. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have about a half an hour or so left in the program. Again, still got time. If you're on the HMS Motorsport Facebook page, or you uh, have a question for Joe on driver safety, just go to the HMS motorsport page and drop it in there. And we'll try to uh, get to those before the end of the show. We'll be back with more League lap after this.
4: Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency.
1: Their representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina, and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your specific safety needs. You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Just stop in to HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com, or send them a message on Facebook. Tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media set ya. Hi, this
0: is John Androsic of Five Fight for Fighting, here for Rad, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends don't let friends drive drunk.
7: A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters and the Ad Council.
3: Hi, this is Spencer Boyd, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio.
1: Now back to the show. Welcome back to Lead Lap. As we continue to broadcast live this evening from HMS Motorsport, The leaders in motorsport safety were at their Mooresville, North Carolina location, which is really only about uh, 20 minutes from the WSIC studios where we normally broadcast from. And that's where James Mellick is, keeping us on the air in both senses, uh, radio (laughs) and TV. Of course, uh, the live stream that we're doing on uh, HMS Motorsport uh, Facebook page is being um, manned by Austin Langenstein, and that's always uh, a risky proposition. But uh, so far, I think he's kind of kept us alive over there. So um, Tom Baker and, and Joe Marco doing some
8: safety uh, conversation right now. We're going to talk some helmets. Yeah, I think we can move on from underwear. You know, that's a, that's a we're good there. Uh, but helmets, is uh, people are saying, okay, well, 2020 is coming up, which means a new Chanel standard is going to come out, which is true. Okay, just is that re- in
1: 20 or 21? Well, it's 20. For so 20. basically, the Snell first
8: 2020 20 Schnell helmet can be sold in October. So it's a very, it's a very, oh, this year. It's a very str- no, uh, 2020. Oh, okay, I'm so just, I'm wanting to make that clear. <laughs> so it's a kind of a strange thing. You know, everybody says, "Well, it's 2020, I want to get the new helmet. Well, they don't come out in January. They are, were not allowed to sell any 2020 helmets until October 1st. One year from now. One year from now. Okay. And... Not only that, but most manufacturers, because there's such a backlog at Schnell to get the certifications done, most manufacturers don't have all of the sizes coming out in October 2020. So you probably get a large or medium helmet from most of the manufacturers, but the small and extra small and extra large and extra, extra large and quadruple extra large (laughs) uh, for some people – well, they won't be available until probably the first quarter, end of the first quarter in 2021. 2021. Okay. Now, what that means for the sanctioning organization that you're running with is that most of them will allow uh, a 2010, a 2015, and a 2020 helmet for not only next year, but usually for 2021. And so uh, with the exception of NASCAR and IndyCar, they'll require in in 20 21, they'll require a 2020 helmet next right. year. They won't because they don't come out until October. Okay. Um, but most of the other organizations will give you that one extra year where there are three levels of helmet that that could be used because not it. all
1: the sizes and everything will down. be the inventory right.
8: won't be accessible
1: until early 2021.
8: Exactly. Right. So I I guess with that again we should probably talk very briefly about helmet fitment. Okay. So. First thing, you're not going to run out in January and look for a 2020 helmet. Uh, if you have a helmet that's a 2010 or 2015, if you have a 2010 helmet that's really beat up, you know, if you get a 2015 helmet, you're still going to be good for six, seven years right. at least. Okay, so it's not a bad thing. If you use your helmet all the time and it gets stinky, you know, maybe it's time for a new helmet. If you've dropped it, if it's, uh, if it's cracked you know, uh, or, or, or you've had an impact with it, it's probably something that you should consider getting a new helmet. Right. You know, if you have a, uh, a good frontal impact, okay, and so you hit the wall at a pretty good speed and you've got a head and neck restraint on, what happens is the head and neck restraint is attached, it's tethered to the helmet, okay? So what happens when you hit in a frontal impact, the helmet is being held back with the head and neck restraint. Your head is moving forward, so what it actually does is it compresses the EPS foam on the inside of the helmet, and it actually makes the helmet bigger. So if you had a really bad frontal impact, or a number of frontal impacts of lesser severity, you might think about getting a new helmet anyway, because the helmet did its job with that initial impact. Right. Because once you compress that foam, and you can take your thumb in the helmet, and you can push hard, and you can compress that foam. Once that foam is compressed, it doesn't come back. So Think about that. You know, there's the only reason to get a new helmet is not because it's expired, the certification expired. You get a new helmet because you've you've used the helmet. It's done its job. It's that foam is is that energy from the impact, and it's and it's giving you that protection. And of course,
1: you know, you've got drivers watching or listening to
8: this saying,
1: "But I'm spending sixteen hundred to three thousand dollars or more on a helmet." I don't want to have to get a new one any quicker than I have to, to which my response is how much value do you place on your brain? But
8: your response more practically is. If you take that impact, it doesn't matter what you paid for the helmet, you know, It, it doesn't you need to. It could be a brand new helmet that you just got painted and you run your car into into the wall that helmet has done its job. And so it's nice, you know, take that beautiful paint job, put it on your desk in the office and be very proud of it and go out and get another helmet. Yeah. Uh, Because that's, unfortunately, that's what it is. Uh, The other thing is if you drop a helmet, you know, from some distance, uh, you know, from, you know, eight or nine feet, or if you throw it at the race car coming around the track like Tony, (laughs) uh, you know, that helmet, even though you may not have damaged the interior EPS foam, you've damaged the outer shell. So if, if another impact should come against that shell, that could be a problem that, that the integrity of the shell is no longer there and it may not take that impact. So a helmet is designed to save you from something coming into the vehicle or from an impact where you don't actually hit anything but that the, your head neck restraint keeps your head back and that right. compresses the foam. So that's, those are re- two reasons to look at getting a new helmet other than it's being expired. Yeah. Well, and so I guess what you're saying is
1: in terms of the, I guess we'll call it a sell by date for all intents and purposes. Um, there's nothing immediately to worry about, but of course there's all these other factors of how is the helmet, you know, band and what what's happened with it. Uh, you know, and, and can we spend a minute or two, and and just talk about the fact that you shouldn't
8: order a helmet online because you can't guarantee it's going to fit perfectly. Right. Yeah, basically, fitment of the helmet is the most critical thing. So you should never walk into a store, you know, don't get your mindset, well, I want a bell dominator, I want a Steelo. you know, carbon helmet, or I want a, a rye this. It all depends on the shape of your head and how that particular helmet fits. Okay, it, uh, a helmet to fit properly needs to really fit around the crown of the head where you can feel the helmet everywhere. You don't want pressure points anywhere, but you want to feel it. Right. You know, a bell helmet tends to fit people better with rounder, more round heads, whereas rye helmets and some of the steel, Arai helmets and steel helmets tend to fit more, you know, oblong uh, shaped. Now, all the helmets can be adjusted, or not all, but most of the, especially the higher end helmets can be adjusted with different padding a little bit. To help relieve a little bit of pressure here by raising the center of the up or down or putting in the right cheek pads. But basically, when you put a helmet on, you should it should feel relatively tight, not to give you a headache. If you put a helmet on, it feels, hey, this feels great. Try the next size smaller. Okay? But that's the key, is try. Go to a store. I don't I'd love it to be HMS, but if it's not HMS, I'd rather you go to a local store. Try the helmet on and see how it fits. Sit in the shop for 10 minutes and see if you get a headache out of it, if it's too comfortable. When you put it on and you buckle it up, make sure that the chin strap is all the way back against your throat and it's tight. Then take it and move it like a football helmet, up and down and side to side. And then as you're doing it, if you're moving it up and down, it should move your skin up and down. Or if you're moving it side to side, it should move your skin side to side. And if I push the helmet to the side, I shouldn't be able to stick my finger between the helmet pad and my cheek. Okay, it's too loose. You need a tighter cheek. Uh, initially, when you put that helmet on, your cheeks should be almost feel like you're gonna eat them because that, that is a comfort foam that will mold to you as you get a little bit of sweat and moisture into it. The other thing that people don't do with helmets is take care of them. It's very simple. Get a helmet blower, take the helmet off, bring the helmet home. Don't throw the helmet in your bag when it's all sweaty. And then just leave it there until the next time you race. Don't put the helmet in the bag when you're driving home. Put it on the back seat of the car or something. Get home, put it on a helmet dryer. You know, there, we have a great uh, dryer system from Pete. Uh, there are other dryers out there from other people. But get some kind of a helmet dryer. And if, you have, if you're somebody that has a uh, stinky sweat, because some people have more stinky sweat than others, uh, get some molecule freshener uh, or for some Febreze and spray it into the helmet as you're drying it. And that'll help to get the bacteria and the moisture. It'll help to kill that stuff. And the helmet will last a lot longer. And you're not going to die every time you go to put the helmet on. Yeah, that's, that's important stuff. I mean, it's stuff that most racers don't think about.
1: But again, like anything else, it'll only last as long as it should if you take care of it the right way. Okay. Um, so I know that you wanted to also really quickly talk
8: about belts. Yeah, I think the last, uh, the last thing I want to do is, is the, the still – it's gotten much better, the last thing, I don't see people always do the last lock on a seatbelt. Okay, and so I wanna try to, to, I'll just do a little demonstration. If you're on Facebook, we'll move the camera a little bit closer. Uh, and I don't know if we can see it uh, from the other camera. We will, we yeah. Can. Okay. Yeah. Now most of you have uh, a belt with a three bar adjuster. Okay, so what I wanna do is, if I'm gonna wrap, I've got the three bar adjuster. I wanna start by bringing the belt underneath the top bar, go over the center bar, and come down. Now let's say we're going to put it onto a bolt-in bracket. So here's my bolt-in bracket. Now what I want to do is I want to go underneath. So if it's a harness bar, I want to go underneath the harness bar. If it's a bracket, I want to go underneath through the bottom, and then I want to bring it over the top, bring bring it back through the three bar adjuster. Now, I'm trying to get that bar very close to the bolt-in bracket, okay? I'm gonna bring it back again through the same route that I followed initially. All right, now I have the first part. Now this is where I see a lot of people stop, which is the very dangerous thing, because if I take this and I pull this adjuster, notice it just slides right away. So if I have that sitting on a belt or around the harness bar on the bracket and I don't put that last lock in, it can slide off that easily. The way to prevent that is to do the last lock, which you come back over the bar, underneath, and that's, that's the lock. Okay, you always wanna leave two or three inches of material on the outside so that there, there can be micro-slip, but notice how close I have the three bar to the bolt-in bracket or the snap-in bracket. You should only be able to see one bar of that three bar adjuster if the belt is wrap, wrapped properly. So I just want to show you one more real quick way. It's, it's not a difficult map, but let's do it one more time. So I take my three bar adjuster. I go under the bottom, over the center. Back out give enough material. If it's a harness bar, I'm going to go underneath, under the bottom of the harness bar, or if it's a bracket, I go under the bottom of the bracket. There, real quick. All right, then I'm going to go back up and follow the same route through the three-bar adjuster that I did when I initially did it. I'm going to bring the bracket all the way up to the, the point, feed it back through, and then last thing, lock it. And that's it. Uh, you can take this extra material, uh, if it's more than three or four inches and you want to, you can cut it off and just take a, a, a lighter and just uh, sear the edge, or better yet, because you maybe you'll want to move the belts to another car, just roll it up and put a zip tie through it and just kind of hold it right to that point, and then you're all set. So that's one o one wrapping, uh, very important thing though. Very important
1: as well. You do you don't want uh, that slipping any more than it has to. So um, again, want to thank Joe Marco and all of the uh, folks at HMS Motorsport for uh, having us here and being able to uh, help us to put some some actual uh, conversation into driver safety because uh, there are just so many things we see and it's hard because a lot of these. Racers hardly have time to work on their cars, let alone focus on safety. But again, you get one life and one body. With that, we're going to take a break. When we come back, this will be our final break of the evening. When we come back, Jacob and I will uh, wrap things up for the evening here from HMS Motorsport. Uh, if you want to, again, as Joe said, if you're if you're driving by one of their locations, either in Mooresville. North Carolina or Danvers, Massachusetts swing by their uh, store with your trailer or your race car. Even if it's not HMS products that you have, they'll be happy to look at them. Make sure that you've got the right products for your situation. Uh, And any questions that you have, either just go to the website, go to their Facebook page, leave them a Facebook message, um, you know, whatever, get a hold of them, give them a call. HMSmotorsport.com. With that, we'll be back with our final segment of Week Lap presented by these guys right after this. How to be a great
4: dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. (sighs) Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, rev up your career.
5: You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette, but not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day, and this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget, and they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route One, just north of Quantico in Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com.
1: HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves a majority of NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Their representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible. You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at HMSMotorsport.com, or send them a Facebook message and tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media sent you.
8: Hi, this is Chandler Smith, and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio. Now back to
1: the show. Welcome back to Lead Lab. Final segment here from HMS Motorsport in Mooresville, North Carolina, as we continue to broadcast live. HMS, uh, one of our main supporters of our Race Chaser Media programming, also want to acknowledge my computer career uh, edu training for a better life and strutmasters.com the suspension experts for um, their part uh, in helping us to do what we do uh, with these shows as well so want to thank uh, each and every one of our motorsports partners and uh, definitely looking forward to adding more to our list as we go through the fall and winter here tom baker jacob sealman and We're going to do some rapid fire here. A lot of different topics to cover. We've talked about uh, NASCAR, Kansas, NASCAR truck heading into Martinsville, NASCAR cup heading to Martinsville uh, this weekend. And Denny Hamlin coming off a win. Denny Hamlin, one of the hottest drivers of the year. Denny Hamlin heading into Martinsville, a track that Denny Hamlin loves does Denny Hamlin get yet another win and make it two in a row?
3: Oh yes, he does.
1: He does. That's interesting. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna disagree with you on that. I'm taking the field. I actually, I feel like this is a track where any of the Hendrick cars can get up there and mix it up. And honestly, as far as I'm concerned, um, I think the guy to really watch out for. Out of the Hendrick stable is William Byron. I feel like this is a race that William could actually um, make a difference in, um, and I feel like uh, you know he's he's got a he's got a good shot at this. I feel like William is going to compete for a win before the season's over, and I think this is one of the tracks that he could easily do that. Um, but uh, I'll take the feel on that one. Okay, we've got uh, the Truck Series. Uh, back in action as well and we talked about the playoff contenders Uh, are you taking a playoff driver to win on Saturday or do you feel like there's someone from outside of the playoffs like a Johnny Sauter for example uh, who could get the job done I'm taking a playoff driver because the guy who's going to win this race
3: skunked everybody um, at Martinsville in the past and I think he's going to do it again Brett Moffitt
1: Okay, so you're going to go with Moffitt. I'm going to disagree again, uh, but I'm still going to stay in the playoff bracket uh, of, of drivers because I, I really like the opportunity here for Austin Hill to say hello. Um, you know, this, again, being a short track, it's Austin's background. The team is certainly capable. The key for them is going to be just running a good, clean race. If he can do that, I think Austin Hill has a shot at this. Um... Wow. You don't. No, You're going, I don't. Are you going Is that because of past stats or what is it? It's not
3: because it's not because of past stats on Austin Hills part. It's honestly because this 16 team has not shown me any strength all year on any of the short tracks that we've been to. And that's not a stat thing. That's a, I believe what I see. And this team has not contended on the short tracks. Their bread and butter has been the bigger tracks this year. The downforce tracks.
1: I think this is an opportunity for him to show some force here. And I think he's going to have to, if he's going to have a shot at the championship, the field is just too close. Okay. Um, IndyCar or hmm. Formula One. Okay. Either way, there was big news and it's the same story. It's yeah. just on the IndyCar side, it's a return perhaps on the Formula One side. It's a, Oh, well, this isn't going to happen now. Pado award. It was announced has left Red Bull's driver development program, um, in favor of a return to IndyCar, potentially, with McLaren. Hmm.
3: That's exactly the reaction that I had when I saw this too, because it took me a minute to believe that Pato had actually uh, left (laughs) Red Bull. But when I read the why, it made a whole lot more sense because he just didn't see a path to Formula One because they changed um, what the Indy Lights Championship was worth when it came to super license points and basically for him, there was at that point, you know, you're know, you not going to go run F2 and make a living. He needed to be in F1, and when there wasn't a path to get there, he says, okay, well, I'm going to go back to IndyCar. Well, good on you, because I think he's going to be a superstar in American open-wheel racing, period, end of discussion. I love the possibility of pairing him at McLaren with James Hinchcliffe. Please, 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 Zach Brown, make this happen. Please, <laughs> because a James Hinchcliffe-Pato Award pairing in the orange cars for 2020 would absolutely, in my opinion, be the most dangerous pair on the grid. And I say that knowing that there are three Penske cars that can go out and win every week. You put Hinch and Pato together, those two are going to be able to develop a notebook, develop a rapport, and listen, I don't care what happened in May. That was due to preparation. The fact is, there's preparation going into this McLaren effort, and they are not going to fail again.
1: Well, I mean, the fact that you're you're basically working with SPM tells you all that you need to know about that. Right. Um, they you know, are I, not going to fail this time. I yeah, on this we agree. I, I think that I I really was disappointed to see Pato even jump into that whole Red Bull thing because I'm not very bullish. On that program to begin with um, You know it's And I think Pato's I think he showed that IndyCar Is a very natural Thing for him and I think he can be A huge star in sure. IndyCar And him and Hinchcliffe together In terms of entertainment Value both of these yes. Drivers have great personalities they I do. Mean, and I just y- You know that,
3: what in fairness um, Pato's Pato's wit I think is what really sticks out to me yeah. with him. And he's not, I, I'm going to use this word and people may misunderstand me. Um, I, I, he's different from Hinch in the fact that he, you know, he, what shines about Pato's personality is not that he's bullish about it. J, he's kind of a, almost a Matt Kenseth type to where you, well, you have to pay attention to what he's saying to get where the personality comes in. It's a drier humor. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. a drier humor. Um, But here's the other thing, both of these drivers in terms of conditioning, in terms of preparation for a race, both of them are the same. You know, they're both very, uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, almost obsessed with, with their bodies. And, and, of course, Pado does a lot with boxing and such. And right. um, I think this is going to be a great opportunity. It is. Them. And you literally have to get us out of here. Yes, I do literally have to get us out of here. Uh, it's been a fun show at HMS Motorsport. want to thank Joe Marco and Austin Langenstein and the entire staff here uh, for all of their support. Um, they continue to be a big part of what we do at race chaser media. And we're thankful for that. Uh, we couldn't do it without our, our uh, partners and HMS one of the best that we have again, HMSMotorsport.com motorsport.com or either of their two locations in Danvers, Massachusetts, or right here in go Mooresville, North Carolina, otherwise known as race city USA. Oh, by the way. Uh, and again, want to thank uh, the staff here. We want to thank, um, the, our other partners as well, mycomputercareer.edu training for a better life. And also strutmasters.com, the suspension experts I want to thank uh, my, uh, buddy Jacob for sitting in for the entire show here this evening. Thanks to all of you for listening again. If you missed part of it, just go search race chaser radio on your favorite podcast platform. It'll be up tomorrow and you can check it out uh, at your leisure so for Jacob and all of the folks from W S I C uh, including James Mellick, our producer, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week, everybody. So long.
0: You've been listening to lead lap radio powered by HMS motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. motorsport.com. Lead lap radio is a race chaser media production for more exciting and passionate motorsport content.